All right. Well, let's get back to the phone lines. And next up is Bill. Good morning, Bill. Hey, uh, Bob, I want to let you know that your staff opened on time this morning. I've been out in the park parking lot for the last half hour. Very I good. Well, I was there. I was there very early this morning, and uh, uh, <laughs> my doggies were keeping the place there. But unfortunately, without an opposable thumb, they can't open the door for you until the humans arrive. Well, I I called you about tomatoes yesterday, and you said you had a bunch, and I was afraid you took them all home. But I see a bunch of them here. Yes, sir. So, so uh, anyway. I, I, I'll, I'm going to stock up. I don't know how many different varieties you got, but if you got ten, I'll take them. Uh, different ones. I'm going to take one of everything. Well, I think we probably got that many varieties. I see Cherokee Purple and Better Boy and uh, oh, Green Zebra uh, and I've yeah. I've never heard about Green Zebra. I've never Black Cream Cherry. Yeah, there there are quite a few there for you. How I can got, I? I got some homestead. I, I I just want to let you know. Uh, I I went to. Rainbow Gardens and the other one on Bandera Road, they didn't have anything. (laughs) One of them had one plant, one tomato plant. Obviously, a tomato plant. We didn't have no tag, and they didn't know what it was. Well, we work hard at keeping some things, and it means we we don't always sell everything we get. But we appreciate you coming to see us, Bill. And I'll I'll tell the staff that our spies are active this morning. You have a wonderful weekend, and let me get let me get Cindy in here. Good morning, Cindy. Hey, good morning, Bob. Good morning. Um, I was going to call you the other day, and then things changed when I went outside. I have an orange frost set tuma. Okay. And all the little fruit on it was was brown. Uh-huh. And when I went out, out this morning, they're green. So is there a little, <laughs> like, paper coating over it? You know, probably not paper, but... Everything in the world has been coated with pollen recently. Uh, you know, my partner's golden retriever comes in and her feet are orange from all the pollen. So obviously you had something on the fruit that got washed off by those wonderful rains we've had over the past three days. So it's not really a, not anything that the plant produced, but I'm not at all surprised that uh, things are coated between the oak pollen, the pecan pollen, and everything else that's in the air. I suspect that's what was giving them that brownish cast. I thought they had dried up and died. <laughs> well, I'm so glad that's turned out to not be the case. I know. I'm so happy. Yeah. Um, I have some more questions. Uh, I have um, propagated loquat seeds before for friends. Right. And I think. I picked up some yesterday, and then I opened them up, and the, almost all of them have little tiny small seeds as opposed to one large seed. Mm-hmm. And that's Before, I always had just a large seed. Well, that's depending on the just the individual loquat. I mean, some of them have very thin flesh, and they're all seed. Others have very thick flesh and smaller seeds obviously for a person who likes to can or preserve or eat fresh uh the ones that have more meat and less seed are going to be the favored ones but uh um the the process is still the same you know plant those seeds about 95 percent of them will sprout and grow and plant them regardless of the seed size i guess smaller seeds i plant slightly closer to the surface but they should germinate well and grow very easily for you and uh uh, again, if you're propagating them for a friend, if the friend loves to eat them, 
those ones that are more more flesh and less seed those those seeds have the potential to make a a better eating loquat so to speak but uh, as far as process of doing it it's just the same as you've done before okay yeah i have a friend that lives up in in uh hunt area yeah and she just has acreage, and so I just propagate things for her just to stick out Well, there. keep in mind that loquat is a little bit limited by its cold hardiness, and Hunt's probably 10 degrees, probably 5 degrees colder than Bernie and 10 degrees colder than San Antonio in a cold winter. So your friend in Hunt is more likely to see a little frost damage on that loquat, but uh, um, that's just a fact of life. I don't think you'll ever see cold enough weather to do severe damage but she just should be aware not to build too much of her landscape around loquats because every so many years she is going to see a little bit of cold damage on them. Yeah, I don't think she cares. It's just sticking <laughs> something in the ground. Ah, that's uh, that's a lot of it. Yeah. Now, we have two laurel pedlums under a bald cypress. Okay. And they've been in there for over 10 years, and they're the older variety that gets all chlorotic. Right. So I don't want them. I want to, you know, cut them down, get rid of them. Do you have any suggestions of what would do well under there? Because it doesn't, it gets filtered light. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, yours is probably the old blush loripedalum, which turned out to be not a real good one. Underneath there, if you want to plant pretty but hardy things turks cap would grow under there american beauty berry would grow under there those are two natives that would do well um i think you've got enough light to grow a shrimp plant you could grow a number of the lower light salvias like the eyelash sage the smooth leaf sage the tropical sage um, those would all do just fine underneath there um, I suspect at least out toward the edge, plumbago would be something that would grow for you. These are all good flowering plants that, uh, would add a lot of color. Um, I can go on and on, but that would be a pretty good start. Well, so far you listed everything I already have. <laughs> well, okay. Then let's plant some gold columbine underneath there. Let's, um, Okay, uh, how about a little bit of stratostigma, what they call dwarf plumbago? How about a little bit of pigeonberry? That's an interesting uh, native that uh, makes pretty little plant, pretty little pink flowers, and uh, interesting berries on it. Um, we could uh, also include some variegated ginger. We could plant some uh, variegated flax lily underneath there. Uh, you could, um, uh, th those are a few more. If you want a fern garden, you can grow everything from autumn fern to, uh, holly fern to several different, uh, the dryopter species, what we tend to call wood fern or river fern. Uh, those are a few more. Uh, there are a number of new colorful sedges out on the market, which will do impartial shade along with the old cedar sedge, which is what grows natively all over the hill country. Various forms of uh, Ophiopogon and Liriope, like Aztec grass, Giant Liriope, Big Blue. Um, <laughs> we've got all this written down over at the nursery, so next time you're at Shades of Green, just ask for our, our shade list handout. I'm just Those are just a few things that come to mind. I know there are a lot more than that out there. Yeah, the one the one thing that really popped out, and I tried it before, was a variegated ginger. Mm -hmm. 
And not in that spot. I tried in another spot, and the squirrels kept digging it up every time. So yeah. I gave up on it. So yeah. put some put some lava gravel around to try to stop their digging, and uh, uh, put that live trap out, and take those little bushy tail tree rats somewhere else. Oh yes, we we definitely have the traps out, getting rid of those things. Yeah. Now um, this week I had Terry text you about the dry molasses. Right. Yeah, he, you know, if he sees a big bag of something, he just wants to get it out. <laughs> well, so for our other listeners, for our other listeners, Cindy was asking if too much dry molasses would be a bad thing. And yes, dry molasses with all the sugars it contain stimulates such a huge amount of bacterial activity. Some plants can't survive it at all. That's why we use it to kill nuts hedge. But you can get it to the point that it's going to be at least a little bit toxic for everything. But as I advise you, I would simply pull out or wash out uh, as much as you can, and the plant should perk back up again. You just got a little bit too much of a good thing in there. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, if he sees something with a little a big bag, he's like, "Oh yeah, let's go. Let's put more out." <laughs> well, that's an issue for you two guys to work out, but I think most of your plants are going to come back without any problem. Okay. Well, thank you very much. You're I welcome, it. Cindy. It's my pleasure. Thank okay. you. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Okay, Glenn's up next. Good morning, Glenn. Bob. Good morning. Morning, sir. I've got, got two questions. I've got a fig uh, tree that my wife and I bought last year that's in a pot. Okay. And I think it got a little freeze damage this winter. Probably so. Most of them did. But my question is, you know, it's coming back up on the main the main limbs. Uh-huh. Down around the base, it's just coming out like gangbusters. Should I clip those off to encourage more growth out on the main limbs? You know, in my experience i think figs produce better as a bush um if you don't have room for it to be super bushy you trim as little or as much as you like but fig trees are not grafted so i'm not concerned about the growth from the base and overall it makes in my opinion the prettiest and most productive tree so i'm just going to stand back and leave it alone but if you feel like you need to do a little cosmetic trimming on it you're you're not going to hurt a fig tree Okay. All right. Thank you for that. And then my second question, I've got a great source. Uh, I heard you talking earlier about chicken manure. Right. And I've got a great source uh, from the neighbor next door. How long do I need to let that sit before I can use it without being worried about burning anything that I'm putting it on? I'd say three to six months. If okay. you're If you're using it very finely scattered as a mulch on the surface of the ground, you can practically use it fresh out of the chicken. But if you want it um, in a state when it's just not likely to burn anything, regardless of how you use it, three to six months. When it stops producing heat, uh, and you might want to put on, uh, you know, plastic gloves where you go sticking your fingers down in a pile of it. But when it stops generating a lot of heat, you'll know this 100% safe to use in the garden. All right. Very good. I appreciate the help. Appreciate the call. Have a great Sunday, and thanks for the call, Glenn. All right, let's get back to gardening and back to the phone lines. Joe, Willie, James, and Michael. That looks like the order now. And Joe's up first. Good morning, Joe. Good morning. This is Joe. Good yes, morning, sir. Bob. I'm back to your Sunday school this morning. <laughs> That's a good term for it. Yes, sir. 
bright and early. I got several questions. Uh, you can pick the one you want if you want to get lengthy on it, but uh, I think they're all good questions. One of the best ones is I live on a couple of acres, and I got a bunch of oak trees. Okay. And what bothers me the most is when I see that fungus that grows up on the bark. Well, it's actually something called a lichen, L-I-C-H-E-N. Uh, it's totally harmless to the tree. It's okay. um, uh, nothing to worry about. Okay, because I, 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 I hate it so much that I power wash it off. Is that harming it? Um, On your rough bark, no, it's not going to create a problem. But power washing the smooth bark, if you're to the point of actually removing bark, that's too much. No. But on your no, no, rougher no. bark... taking the fungus off the... the, the yeah, the no, bark. you can stick a little soap in there. You can stick a light solution of oil, orange oil in there, too. will help keep it uh, keep it away. Oh, really? Okay. And what about those those hairy balls that are way up on the limbs? I made a two sticks out of, uh, oh, what do you call those, those uh, green uh, sticks that you make trees grow straight? Sure. Straight, yeah, just stakes of, of some sort. With, uh, what you're looking at, uh, and I knock them all off. yeah, those are actually a bromeliad, Talansi recurvata, if you want to be botanically correct. Again, they're not harming the tree in any way, form, or fashion. Uh, knock them out if you like. Just be careful not to wound the tree, because if okay. you break off green limbs or gouge the bark, those are places that that little beetle that spreads oak wilt could be attracted to. But once again, those are just uh, a type of bromeliad that we commonly call ball moss. And uh, um, you can knock it out of there. If you want to kill it, you can spray it with baking soda, but it doesn't jump out of the tree. It just sits there, and I think it looks worse as dead ball moss than as live ball moss. But uh, okay. uh, choice is yours. No, I'll leave them on there. Okay, I um, what do I have here? I bought several new fruit trees last weekend, and I guess they they are all planted in already. They're all protected from the deer. What and they're basically put in and mulched. Is there anything I need to do to to encourage them to be healthier? Well, I hope you expose the root flare because so many of them come buried too deeply in the pots. And if you didn't, you should go through tree by tree okay. and. Pull the soil away from the trunk until you get down to where you see the actual big roots coming out from the trunk, not these little fibrous roots that may have grown in the pot. But exposing the root flare is very important. Beyond that, I'd just give them a good organic fertilizer. I would uh, uh, stand back and watch them grow. You've kept the deer away from them. That's the most important thing, and now they just need some time and moisture and nutrient. Okay. Okay. so I planted four at my son's house. It was easy to get to at my house. Basically, I have solid rock. Uh-huh. I go down around, oh, maybe six inches tops, and then my Texas toothpick just goes bing, that's yep. it. Been there, done that. Create a little raised bed if you need to get a deeper uh, planting for I don't for want them. to go raised. So do I need to break through that rock so it could actually, uh, what do you call it? you know get the roots established it all depends on where you are joe some places around my ranch um i've got rock but i've got soil in between if i go over to my business partner's ranch she has slabs of rock that are probably 50 feet wide that are maybe three or four feet thick that you will never ever break through and i tell you when you look around your property you can tell which you have if you have a whole bunch of skinny little trees that never seem to make a giant tree, you'll know you're sitting on a slab of rock that you're never going to break through. If you have large trees, just not very many of them, 
then you have fissures in that rock, and the tree's roots will find that on their own. You give them a chance to get started. You give them the moisture they need uh, while they're finding those little fissures. And uh, the fact that you've got big trees there tells you that those exist um, but you're not gonna you're not gonna get out there and find them with a digging bar or a pickaxe. Uh, let the trees find them all by themselves. Awesome. Okay. Uh, I have an established peach tree that's been in the ground maybe oh several years. Anyway, last year it gave me one beautiful peach. This year it has a whole bunch of peaches on it, but uh, they're starting to get a little black, little oh, some kind of little black things. My wife uses this fungicide three that works very well on red tips. Is that okay to use on that? You know what I'm talking about? I think you're probably looking at insect damage rather than fungus damage. Um, okay. uh, you Again, I find your problems will be minimized if you keep a good mulch underneath the tree. I would be very reluctant to use any systemic fungicidal products, which is probably what she's got for the red tips. So, no, I would keep that off your peaches. If you have fungal problems, spray with a corn water tea or something. If you want to use a an insecticide spray, probably Spinosad or the Spinosad insecticidal soap combination that's available out there. That's going to control most of the bugs that would get after your fruit. Gotcha. All right, that takes care. Oh, what about fish oil? Where do I use fish oil on? I have a bottle of it. Do I it's use it just, on? it's a good natural fertilizer. Use it on anything you like. Gotcha. Thank you so much, Bob. Have a great day. You do the same, Joe. Thanks for the call. Okay, Willie's up next, and it'll be James and Michael. Good morning, Willie. How are, how are you today? Good, thank you. How about yourself? Good, very good. I've got three quick questions, and, and uh, you you were talking to someone last week, I believe, about preparing a bed for green bean planting. Right. And I don't know, I didn't catch what you needed to do. We've got a brand new garden, and we've never planted in there. I don't know what I need to do to Well, green beans, I'm going to encourage you to grow bush varieties rather than pole varieties. They just seem to produce much better in this area. The first time you plant beans or peas, what we call legumes, into an area, um, you are wise to do what we call inoculating the seeds. You will buy something that's called uh, bean and pea inoculant that you simply moisten the seed and roll it in. It helps the root system develop some little nodules uh, filled with bacteria that, in effect, make their own fertilizer. So I would inoculate bean or pea seed. Uh, If you're planting in the same area year after year, you only have to do it once. But uh, your soil just needs to drain well. It needs to be high in organic material. I would definitely use an organic fertilizer, but it doesn't matter whether it's Nature's Creation or Medina or Maestro Grow or Espoma. Those are all good products out there. And... uh, Bush beans are very easy to grow. Now, uh, again, you can learn about different varieties. My favorite bush bean for early in the spring is a variety called Tavera. As I get into hotter weather, I like varieties like Contender and Top Crop and Blue Lake. But, again, the important thing is you get what says bush bean and not pole bean. And get them planted. They'll be in production in about 30 days. Okay, good. And, uh... We've got some yellow neck straight neck squash in the ground. Yes, sir. They bloomed and they're putting squash all over the place. (laughs) This is all in red. But everywhere they're touching the soil in my raised beds, 
they're they're getting mushy and look like they're rotting at the soil level. I don't know what I need to do to. Well, that probably has nothing to do. These are still while they're pretty small, two three inches long. Yes. Okay, that is more a sign of poor pollination. Those things they'd be rotting whether they were touching the ground or not because you didn't get enough pollination to fertilize the seeds all the way down through the squash. Do anything you can to encourage the bees or else get out there with a paintbrush and dust around. The male flowers will be the flowers that you see that big yellow mass down in the center. Just get your paintbrush coated with pollen and then go dust around in the other blooms, which are the female flowers that can make squash, and uh, your yellow squash will grow like a weed and be ready very quickly but uh where they're touching the ground i know it looks like something rotting on there but that's the uh that's the squash basically self-destructing because it didn't get enough uh it didn't get properly pollinated okay now in this one of these raised beds that i have i've got fire ants that's gotten into them mm-hmm. and i treated them with the mound drench that uh i got off of howard garrett's website right and it and we put nematodes out, but I'm still having the problem with the fire ants. Is there something in it? The nematodes will take care of them, but it takes a little while. Get yourself a bag of a uh, of a bait called Come and Get It. It's by Fertilome. Uh, it's a non-toxic product that's very safe for your vegetable garden. And you don't disturb the mound. You just sprinkle a little of it here and there. Do it either in the early morning or in the evening when the ants are active. Uh, it's a it's on a preferred food stuff, which means the worker ants take it down and feed it to the queen, and uh, then the whole colony dies out. But it's called Come and Get It by Fertilome. That's going to give you the fastest results, and your nematodes should give you the long-term results so they don't come back. Fantastic. I appreciate all your help, my friend. Always a pleasure, Willie. You call me any time, and I'll be here for you. All right, back to gardening. It's going to be James, Michael, and Elroy, and James is up first. Good morning, James. Good morning, Bob. Morning, hey, sir. I've got two questions, if I could. Certainly. Hey, I'm, I'm down uh, just southeast of Lytle in the sand, and I picked up in the big box store, and I got the bag in my hand. They call it Texas Bermuda. Okay. I need to overseed some bare areas uh, where I don't have the St. Augustine. Uh, full sun, naturally. It says it's 80 per, no, 34% Mohawk. Is that a good variety, or should I take this back and get something the common Bermuda? No, you're doing fine. You, I'm sure most of what's in there is uh, uh, is common Bermuda. Um, there are lots of good, somewhat improved varieties, but uh, unless you're a grass specialist, <laughs> it's, uh, it's all going to pretty much be uh, the same, and you're not looking to create a golf green. You're looking to create a you know, a, a place without erosion, get good grass out there. Uh, I would say, I would say that would be fine for you. Uh, uh, and now's probably your soil is warm enough to plant this. This has been a, a most unusual year, but we say that every year in Texas, but I, you know, I had 58 degrees at my house this morning and that's too chilly for Bermuda to really grow well where you are. You're probably five degrees warmer and you're probably fine to put your seed out. Just, Keep in mind that you've got to keep it moist to get that seed to germinate and grow. And this means that probably for the first three weeks that it's down, you may be out there watering, you know, five minutes at a time, three or four times a day. If it's a big area that you're doing, 
uh, just do it one section at a time. Just take the as much area as you can count on getting out there and spending a few minutes every day. Once that's up and growing, move to the next area. Hopefully, you don't have that huge an area to do, but I think you're fine with uh, with that. Do look at the date on the bag because, by law, they're required uh, to put the date that the seed was packaged. And if it's two or three years old, I would go back and tell them, hey, this is old seed. I want three bags for the price of one. I'd still plant it because you're still going to have a lot of good viable seed in there. But uh, other than being sure you have fresh seed, I think your I think your variety is just fine. Okay, it has a test date. I didn't note that, but it's test date of 12, 2018. So I guess it's fresh and a sell by March 31st of next year. So I guess yeah. it's, it's yeah. fresh seed. Okay. You've got I good fresh seed. Go ahead. My second question, if I could, uh, I guess procrastination really did me in on my project, too. <laughs> I called you before. A lady from Phoenix was generous enough to bring me and leave me a, a pill bottle full of hyacinth bean seed. Sure. And uh, a week ago today, last Sunday evening, I poked them in the ground pretty heavily, I, at least 50 seeds along on the uh, barbed wire fence. Uh-huh. To date, I just walked out there. Nothing has poked through. So I'm wondering, is is soil not warm enough or possibly just the seed were too old? No. And if too old, where can I get some seed and is it too late or how late can I? I really want to get them on my fence this way. Well, you could, you could plant them all the way up till the middle of July. Hyacinth bean okay. seed should have a fairly high viability rate for at least five years. So I'm not gonna think the seed is too old i suspect if anything um your uh your soil temperature is just not quite warm enough and i would look for it taking up to two weeks for them to sprout and germinate if we stay warm if we get plenty of sunshine and you don't have uh sprouts up by this time next week then what i would do is go back and just dig up a couple of little areas find some seed see if they haven't sprouted, see if they have sprouted and the bugs ate them off, or see if they're just still sitting there. But uh, I, I'm not concerned at this point, James. I I think, <laughs> I think your procrastination is not a real issue. So uh, check on them whenever you happen to get around to it, but don't be in too much of a hurry. We've still got another two or three weeks where I'm going to be really concerned that your seed's not good. Okay, all right. They're on the ground, so I just... Be patient. I just thought like green, green beans, edible beans, they'd be faster. But I, I realize that the temperature has been kind of strange this, this spring and yep. winter. So. And don't complain. <laughs> it's uh, I've seen no. times that by May it was pretty darn hot. And if you've still got as much physical work to do as I do, be thankful for these cooler temperatures. Now, if we go for as much as four or five days without a little bit of moisture, uh, just take your watering can out there and just, you know, do some light watering down that row where you planted your seeds. But uh, I suspect you've probably gotten a couple of good rains over the past 10 days or so. Most of South Texas has. so And the, and the seed does need to be moist to germinate well. But uh, I bet you by this time next week you're going to see some plants up and growing. I watered them in with the water hose the first two at right after planting, and then the next day, then I skipped a day, and then we got the rains. I, my rain gauge showed 1.81 yesterday morning, so I know they've got moisture. Just yeah. I guess they need some temperature to get. They them need going. some. They need some temperature, but if we don't have ongoing moisture, uh, knowing that loose soil that you're in, three or four days from now, get out there and, and give another watering. All right, will do. Hey, I appreciate it. Thank oh. you. It's always a pleasure. Thank you very much for the call. 
All right. Next up is uh, Michael. Good morning, Michael. Hey, good morning, Bob. How are you? Today? Uh, just a beautiful day. Looking forward to getting out into it. Another hour and 18 minutes, but who's calling? <laughs> who's counting, oh, yeah. rather? <laughs> yeah, exactly. My question is, um, last week I had a Bradford pear that had died, and I had it pulled out of the ground. And this week I'm going to have a replacement tree in a 15-gallon uh, container put in. What I want to make sure of is how do I make sure that the uh, – planter is going to plant it right do i leave a root flare absolutely are you going to put another bradford pear in there i am yes sir okay um i hope that you can or some family member responsible member can be there to observe the planting because i have had at least four in the past six weeks i've had at least four people tell me that a big name company came out planted the tree too deeply and then gave them a really hard time when they insisted that they lift that tree up to the point that it needed to be. So uh, um, it's a very common thing with landscapers mm, to want to do what is easiest for them and then to make all sorts of excuses and lie to you about whether or not the tree is going to do well. So somebody really needs to supervise it. And it is more, it would be better to have it planted a little too high than planted a little bit too low. And unfortunately, there's no guarantee that that tree is not already too deep in the container. So um, it would be wise uh, if you're able. Now, do you have the tree or are they going to bring it out and plant it? They're bringing it out okay. uh, next week. Yeah. Um, I would start before they even take it out of the container. And 15 gallons not a very big container compared to, you know, what some people have. But insist that... Uh, that either they or you dig down and find the root flare because, um, as you've probably heard me say before, we really got into a problem a few years ago when the tree planters went from paying their help by the hour to paying them by the piece, paying them per tree. And so the guys doing that kind of work, uh, it the only object was to plant them as fast as you could, which basically meant put the tree in the bottom of the pot, dump some soil in, and move on to the next tree. So a lot of the trees in the nurseries are already planted too deeply in the pot. So get that root flare exposed before they take it out of the pot, and then just be very sure that that is planted even or even slightly above the existing grade. Very good. What do I do about the fertilizer uh, at the planting time? You don't really need to do anything. If you want to throw a little organic in the bottom of the hole, you can. But um, I'm not big on making the soil better around the tree. I think feeding it would be good, but it makes no difference whether you throw a little bit in the top of the hole or whether you put it on the surface after the tree's planted. I would put, you know, an inch or two of good mulch over the root zone, keeping it away from the trunk. But um, at this point, uh, you need to observe carefully. You need to water when that soil is dry an inch or so deep at the base of the tree but uh, it looks like it's going to be a very good year for um, getting trees planted and established great bob thank you so much i appreciate your help as always one more thing Uh, are you here in san antonio or are you in the cps service area i am yes look into i do not remember if bradford pear is on their uh, approved list But uh, if it is, you need to get on the website, look at what they call uh, their green shade uh, program, and Mm -hmm. chances are you can get a $50 rebate on your energy bill for planting that tree. 
Well, that's great. I'll look into that. Thank you again. It's always a pleasure. Appreciate the call, Michael. Thank you. Thanks, Bob. Bye-bye. Goodbye. All right. Well, we've got about 10 minutes left in the show. Probably time for one more caller. Dial quickly. Uh, get in there. We're going to start with Elroy and then one or two more after that. Good morning again, Elroy. Yeah, I'm sorry to bother you again. You're never a bother? I cut that one off and I happen to look a foot up. It does the same thing again. Well, um, and for anybody who wasn't listening earlier, we're talking about a little Anaqua tree. Um, probably what I would do on that second one is don't cut it all the way off. Cut it back to maybe where it's three inches long so that uh, it has a chance. Because putting out some more leaves up and down the trunk is not a bad thing. But we certainly don't want to have, even if it were, you know, just sticking straight out, a second branch out there. Um we're not going to want to have that on that tree 10 years from now. So I would cut it back. I probably just wouldn't cut it all the way off to encourage it to put on a few more leaves in that spot. And uh, that, of course, will just make the tree stronger in the long run. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to cut too much leaf, leaves off of it. I'm yeah. taking well, this point, one I cut off, cut off another one and taking about three quarters of the leaves. No, off. just take the second one. Just just tip it back a little bit. Don't cut it all the way off. Okay, well, I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> You'll do a good job of it. You have lots of experience. Okay. Well, thanks a lot. You're sure welcome, Elroy. Thank you. Okay. Uh, goodbye. Bye-bye. All right. Well, uh, again, if you want to call, got time for one or two more calls in there. But if not, let me just remind you, Mother's Day's next Sunday. Moms are, you know, moms always love beautiful things. Uh, don't don't go to a big box store. Don't go to a place where you're going to have to stand in line for a long time and deal with grumpy people. Head out and see a good nature store. Head out and see a good nursery. I think you're going to find that there are a tremendous number of really fun things to find that uh, make mom very happy with just beautiful things, whether it's wind chimes, whether it's sun catchers, whether it's maybe a little self-contained fountain. That sound of water is so pleasant out on the patio. And there are lots of fountains for indoors as well. It's just many, many different things you're going to find at a good nature store or at a good nursery. And uh, it is important. Don't forget mom. <laughs> it's it's the day we honor her for putting up with us for all of these years. So uh, um, that's just one thing. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more in a minute. But right now, uh, I've got uh, Ross on the line to talk to. Good morning, Ross. Good morning. That's the shortest wait you've question. ever had to get on the air, isn't it? It was. Yes, sir. So uh, I planted, I've got uh, my vegetable garden is a series of raised beds. Okay. And I've I've got with bad nematodes. And so I planted Elbon rye this winter. And when I got ready, I was going to let it uh, rest anyway, except for some tomato plants and stuff. But I was going to uh, till it under and turn out my tiller had problems and I never was able to. And now it's you know, three and four feet tall. And I wonder, <laughs> I'm wondering, will the heat kill it? Should I just let it go? Uh, uh, or should I pull it? Well, I, I, I wouldn't pull it, but you know, that tall, it's going to interfere with your tomato plant. So yeah, the heat will ultimately kill it. But if I were you, I'd get out there with some head shears and just Separate lop it area. off. 
just lop it off as close to ground level as you can. The way that Elbon Rye works to limit uh, the root knot nematodes is uh, the rye has a substance in its sap. So when the nematode burrows into a rye root, um, it gets trapped. It can't get out. It can't reproduce. And it just dies within that root. And, um, you know, it's, they've got a pretty widespread root system. If you go in there trying to pull it up, you're going to disrupt all sorts of other things. So I would just lop it off as close to ground level as possible and then go on with planting your tomatoes or beans or peppers or whatever you choose to put in there. So lop it and then till it? No, I would not till it. I, I'm into no-till gardening. Every time you till the soil, you bring up a ton of weed seeds to the surface. Um, you bring up a lot of organic material, which is then going to oxidize and be lost to the atmosphere. I would just lop it down to ground level and plant your tomatoes or whatever else in between the places your rye was. Okay. Well, it's pretty thick, so that's why I was wondering. <laughs> but, yeah, I can... Well, if you had to, just take your little shovel and so cut it, out a. That will ki- that'll that'll effectively kill it, right? I mean, so oh yeah, it won't it won't. No, it's it, it won't compete with my tomato plant. No, it's not. It's a cool season grass, whereas what you're going to plant are warm season plants. Right. If you knew to, take your shovel and just uh, clear out a little eight inch diameter spot everywhere you want to put a plant and go ahead and, you know, the usual little fertilizer, little compost, dig your hole and uh, put your rock phosphate in and plant your plants. But I I certainly wouldn't be trying to turn the whole garden into a seed bed, so to speak. I'd I'd basically be lopping the whole thing off, and then I'm going to cut out individual sections since tomatoes are the main things you're going to want to plant and uh, should work perfectly for you. Right. So the the beds that I'm not going to plant anything in, I can just lop it off and leave it there. Absolutely. And in okay. the future... That's what I was for. Yeah. That it, sounds easy. It's a lot easier. And in the future, you can actually control root knot nematodes by keeping a good mulch, good organic mulch on the surface of the soil around your plant. So if you ever have nematode problems again, or if you just want to head off nematode problems, keep those plants well mulched, and you'll probably never see another root knot nematode. Well, that would be great. Yeah, because I can't even grow okra last year. That yeah, just, no, uh, it's the, there's a fungus that grows on the mulch that creates what look like little croquet wickets down in the soil. Nematode passes through one of those. It fills with water, swells up, pinches the nematode in half, and digests it. And it's just a natural way to prevent them. So you do that. Let me get Jeff in here before the end of the show. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Bob. Morning, sir. Quick, yeah. Quick question is. My zucchini is covered in um, white mold or mildew. Yeah. Is there a way to get rid of that without killing the plants now? Absolutely. And you just, that's the bad side of good rains. First thing I do, um, well, actually, what I do is soak some whole ground cornmeal in water and spray uh-huh. with that. That's going to be a natural fungicide that will greatly limit problems uh, with powdery mildew. Next time around, early on, spray your zucchini with some liquid garlic. Garlic, okay. it, it uh, creates a situation where you get so many beneficial fungi that you can't even see growing on the surface of the leaf that the, that the powdery mildew can't crowd its way in. I wouldn't suggest the garlic this late into the growing season because it'll be somewhat repellent to your bees that you need in there to uh, pollinate the flowers. But anytime you plant more squash, 
in that period of time between when it germinates and between when it gets big enough to have open flowers, spray over a few days with liquid garlic and you'll kind of make your uh, make your squash a little more mildew proof. Okay. All right. Well, thanks a lot. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you, sir. And goodbye. All right.